0: Hello and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thank you for spending time with me today. I know there are a lot of choices out there. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. Please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you find your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds will help me get better and help others find the show. I'd love to know what you want to know about Cubs baseball. Welcome to episode 18. As we head into our annual day of thanks, I sat down this week with Mark Weissman, the strength and conditioning coach for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Mark spoke at length about how he went from a college football running back at Iowa to a baseball strength coach in Myrtle Beach, and he went in-depth about the Cubs' organizational commitment to player development. He talked me through what and how the Cubs measure performance and how that data is used to build strength while also balancing workload to reduce injury risk. In the back half of the episode, Mark got into how they train for the uniqueness of baseball and how rule changes are opportunities for a competitive advantage, provided you can train better for those new rules. He also talked about some of the players who made the biggest strides in 2022 with the Pelicans. I learned a lot in this episode, and I hope you will as well. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. This week, I'm thrilled to bring in Mark Weissman, um, head strength and conditioning coach for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Mark, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, Mike. How are you doing?
0: Good. It's a, it's a good week, a uh, short week, I think, for everybody this week with Thanksgiving coming up. Um, you're back home?
1: Yeah, went back home. So yeah, normally I'm based in Arizona. So back home in the Chicagoland area, Buffalo Grove. So just a little Northwest of Chicago, grew up in this area.
0: Cool. So let's talk a little bit about about your background. I know you played football at Iowa. You were running back for the Hawkeyes. Um, After trying to get into the NFL and and not making it through the Broncos camp, you came back to Iowa as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. How did you get from there to being a strength and conditioning coach in the Cubs system?
1: Yeah, so definitely not a a normal transition, but we'll go through it. So yeah, so yeah, I was in football with Iowa, um, worked exclusively with the football team as assistant strength coach, um, and then after that, I um, became the director of strength conditioning at Southeast Missouri, so SEMO, which is in Cape Girardeau, just on the border of Illinois and Missouri. There, so was director there, did that for a year. That was the COVID year, so get yeah, thrown hard. into the fire on multiple <laughs> ends first year being a director and then COVID, but uh, no, I learned a lot that way with communication, um, tr- being able to remote train, which kind of comes into handy now with guys being in the off season, not everyone's with us in Arizona. So, but had some family things and hadn't really been home since college, uh, high school, basically. Like I'd visit here and there for a week or two at most, sure. but yeah, I really didn't get much family time. And, uh, I definitely value my family. So wanted to find a way home. So I went in the private sector for a year, came home, spent some great time with family, but uh, they knew it and I knew it that uh, that wasn't it. (laughs) Like I wanted to be part of the sports team at all times. Like I coached at my high school for football, but um, it's not the same as always being there with elite athletes that have one goal in mind. So, um, I started looking, obviously, more football-wise to try and get back into it, more the collegiate level, um, anything I could find that way. Reaching out to all my contacts, and then actually, before all this even happened, my one of my good friends, who I've known since I was nine years old, he's the he was the assistant hitting coordinator with the Cubs. Now he's co-hitting coordinator. Um, so okay. Stephen Pollockoff is his name. So yeah, we've been good buddies for a while, and then he reached out I was like, "Hey, there's been some turnover in and strength and conditioning." would you be interested? I'm like, sure, I'll take a call. Like, I wasn't interested at the time. I was still home, happy at home. Mm -hmm. Took a call with the then director, Corey Kennedy. um, And it went well. And then didn't hear much from him two, three months later. And that's kind of when I started to like really think about, all right, like, let's get back into elite level sports. Kind of had some options there, um, was working through those options. And then I get another call back. From Corey, he's like, Hey, are you still interested? We still have some openings at the minor league level. I'm like, like, yeah, let's talk again. So push comes to show kind of it went well there, went well talking throughout the interview process. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's like, all right, change it up a little bit, get comfortable being uncomfortable with a new sport. Um always loved baseball. Baseball was actually my best sport growing up, but i probably was too much of a mental case when I was younger football, football fit a little bit better with my mindset then, but the way I've kind of grown up, it's baseball kind of fits more with it. All right. Every day. All right. New day. All right. You didn't do well. New day. You did amazing. Cool. New day. You got a game every day, pretty much. Yeah. So like we had a hundred football. Yeah, exactly. You have one a week. Everything's set to a T. Everything's almost perfect where the schedule is the same every week. The bye week might be the only difference. So yeah. baseball is completely different. Um, and like, there's a lot of similarities, but a ton of differences in sports in general. So so that's so kind of how started- I got to the Cubs and then got there for spring training and then went off to Myrtle Beach. So
0: <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a adventure. So from your first year, so what's your scope? Is it strength and conditioning? Do you get some of the, the mental health kind of mental approach mindset coaching in there? Like what, what's your scope? How about nutrition? Is that in there as well?
1: So we have all of those when we're in Arizona, right? Everyone mm-hmm. in there is like, we have, we have mental skills professionals. Like we have directors and assistants there. We have nutritionists, RDs, registered dietitians. um, And then we have like people in sports science, but when you're at your affiliate, you, like we get them to visit, they visit. We have a, a nutrition intern. Um, who's straight out of college usually um, who's under the direction of the nutritionist, but you're kind of a Jack of all trades. So you need okay. to wear multiple hats out there. You need to be part in the nutrition. You have to be in the sports science. You're the one doing all the tests out there, the GPS, the force plates, everything we have, all the protocols. And then like the mental skills, when they come, it's amazing. When our guys, cause they're really good at what they do. Our mental skills coaches,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but they're only there a couple times a year with us. So like you're the guys talking with them. So it's more about okay. relationship building than specific. They get the tools from the mental skills coaches and then mm-hmm. we help facilitate them, have those conversations with the guys. Cause it's all, okay. it's all the same. It's like, you have your technical skills, you have your tactical skills, the game, you have your physical, which strength and conditioning, obviously that's our main part, but, You have the psychological as well, which in Mm -hmm. baseball, every sport, but in baseball more than anything, as everyone knows, the psychological part is real. And it's probably the most important part, that mindset.
0: It's such a grind. I mean, it's one thing to say it's a long season. It's another thing to be middle of July on the road and you're over your last 24.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and especially with some of our guys in Myrtle, some of them had exposure to professional baseball in the minor leagues, but a lot of them, this was their first time. So they had never gone through a whole season of 120 plus games you're playing every day. Yeah, they have their showcases. They have other things in college. You don't play nearly as many games. So this was the first exposure to it. So the mindset and the mental grind, you could see towards the end of the season, some guys flourished and then some guys like, oh, wow, like I'm mentally drained here. So it was definitely different tactics you have to use.
0: So what were some of your biggest takeaways from your first season? I mean, this was kind of all brand new to you. It was your first professional sports team. It was your first season of baseball. What stood out to you?
1: No, I think the biggest thing like we kind of talked about is that it's every day. It's consistency. Like I don't care and none of us care if you can be great once in a while. Can we Mm -hmm. be consistently good? And then you're going to show great things at times. But how consistent can we be? And that's consistent with everything. That starts with your sleep, your nutrition, your work every day within practice getting better the fundamentals because at our level yeah we want to win because winning is part of development but developing their skills because the end goal for these guys is to be big leaguers we want them in wrigley playing at the highest level and that's the goal of it um so winning is a byproduct of all the development that we do so like winning doesn't take a back seat because like the competitiveness these guys are all competitors Mm -hmm. but we have to develop them and we have to develop these habits early on because a lot of these guys are 18 to 20 years old. We have some college kids, but most of them are 18 to 20. So it's kind of that same college level of mentality and maturity. So I think that was one of the bigger things is that it's an everyday thing for these guys. And we're on the road for six days. We're home for six days. Can you get into good habits? Um, when you get off, how do you get back on? because that's easier said than done is all right, things are going great, easy for them. Things are going yes. poorly. All right, now how do we get back <laughs> to where we need to be? Um, so I think that every day type of grind was like one of the big takeaways from it. And then I think um, being able to adapt with each guy is, hey, we have a plan, we have a program, but usually to to be able to stick to that exact program, especially for strength is hard because we're measuring GPS. So we know their player loads, their distance, their max velocity. So guys that are playing four to six times a week, we have to take that into account. Hey, if volume is increasing on the field, I have to back off. So what are, well, how can we minimally like effective dose? How can, what can we do biggest bang for our buck to make sure that one, we're preventing injury because that's number one and then enhancing performance. So,
0: okay. So building off that point, let's say you're in kind of a cool place because Myrtle beach is obviously where guys come into the system. You see the the top kids, especially, you know, some of the 18, 19 year olds, like James Triantos, Kevin Alcantara, Picro Armstrong have all spent time at Myrtle beach this year. Um, When you've got a guy like say Kevin Alcantara and you can get into more or fewer specifics. I don't know what you're allowed to talk about, but he's a big dude. I mean, I've he's from what I see listed. He's like you know 6'6", 188 eighty eight, one ninety. Um, obviously, I, w- I would imagine the Cubs want to pack more power on him and get more strength by the time he comes up to the big leagues. So, how do you balance that with the grind of the season, but also knowing that you know kind of what Kevin Alcantara hits in 2022 when he's 19? maybe isn't the end of the world. They want that strength in there. How do you balance that daily grind of baseball with the long-term development?
1: So I think first and foremost, we have such a great team in on the development side that when we use all these metrics, we can see, hey, Kevin's hanging a little bit and they'll give him a day off. Okay. Like if he needs something a day off to maybe even train, they'll, they're willing to do that because they know how important it is for Kevin to get stronger and not just him, but everyone there. So we're using him as an example, but it's everybody. We need them to all get stronger. So if they're playing every day and grinding every day, that's hard to do. So that's where it comes into play is like, Hey, how do we get everything on points? So we look at all their distance cover. We look at his max velocities for the day, his player loads. We look at, hey, when does Kevin need a day off? And then we plan his training accordingly. So if we have to, so with someone like him, sometimes we'd have to minimally effective dose it is in, hey, three to four times a week, we're going to train for 15 to 20 minutes, two to three movements, and you're out. And okay. we'll do it at the beginning part of the day. So let's say it's a home game and he gets to the stadium around 1, one thirty for a seven o'clock game, we'll hit it right then. Or right before his cage work. At the beginning of the day, his pre-cage work. So- You have to get creative with it because it is a long season. Having said that, we have to pair that with his sleep nutrition. If he's not sleeping right or anyone's not sleeping right, like all bets are off. That's the number one. That's where we recover. That's where we get our energy for the next days. We have to stack good sleep. All right, nutrition. We can train all we want in the world. You're not going to be able to recover from that training and you're not going to be able to put weight on if we're not eating right. So nutrition right. as well. So like I'm the strength coach and I'm telling you like we're the third or fourth, most important thing here, Right. <laughs> but it, it matters what we do. hundred percent matters, but everything else adds on to it. So okay. we have to get creative is the simple answer. And lucky enough, we have the team from the front office down that development is number one. So if he needs to take a day off or two days off, so we can get him stronger and train we'll do it
0: okay so let's talk about these some of the equipment and the investment so i've seen some things this summer about the uh the mobile unit that you have going around um that's got to be quite the show in some of those hotel parking lots but talk to me about how that's different than what teams have traditionally done on the road where you have to either get into the you know your opponent's weight room or you got to find work out in the hotel or wherever who knows what equipment they'll have
1: yeah so early in the season because i can so i can talk on both ends of it we didn't have the trailer right away okay we had two or three away trips without the trailer so charleston we brought some equipment we uh, because you can look at the hotel gym beforehand Mm -hmm. lucky enough we stayed in a nice brand new courtyard they had good equipment they had okay. dumbbells up to 50s, which is not nearly enough for some guys. But like we made it work. We brought trap bar whatever. We brought K-boxes, whatever it might be. But they had like two cable columns. They had everything we needed there. So the first week, the first three days, my first trip as a minor league coach was not bad. But then you go to Salem where they have nothing there, like the, in the hotel. The hotel is not, it's your typical old school comfort yeah. and it has nothing there. So now we have options. All right. Now we can go to the local YMCA, there's other places like Crunch Fitness there, but you go to your local gym, you bring guys, you have a bus that goes there, you have a set window or you use the away team. The issue with that is it's on their discrepancy. So if they say you can only use it from nine to 11 or nine to 10 or 10 to 12, we're on their time. Okay. And some of them aren't great. Like ours in Myrtle before the we had the trailer was not great. It was very small. So a lot of places are like that. So to be able to fit the amount of guys you need to train is tough. So having said that, why the trailer was so amazing, one, we used it at home. So the trailer, it's a huge it's a huge trailer, what you would expect on wheels. But it has four garage doors that open up into four racks. We have benches. We have barbells in it. We would bring the dumbbells from our weight room. We had kettlebells, battle ropes. You have uh, med balls, everything you can imagine. Then we threw our force plates, K boxes, some of our fancier equipment in it as well when we when we went on the road. So we had everything we could possibly need and some. So we went from having a subpar facility, probably, to mm-hmm. the best, definitely in our in our conference, <laughs> like the best setup. Okay. Like no one has four racks in low way ball there with at least in our Carolina league. So now, all right, that's one, but now we have the flexibility of, Hey, we take this on the road. We haul this along. Like we rent a truck. The Cubs are awesome. They rented a truck for us. Um, The hitting coach and myself would go, we drive the truck before the bus would get there. We'd set everything up at the hotel. Um, Now with the hotel, I'll be down there from, I don't know, eight 39 until one o'clock. And guys can come right. train on their time. So, some guys, a lot of the pitchers like training a little bit earlier. They're usually on like a set schedule who pitched the day before. But now, your position players who, hey, we're prioritizing sleep. Well, uh, if they're going to bed at, we're not getting to the hotel till 11 to midnight, usually. Right. So, I don't want them training at 9 a.m. Like, they're not going to get the correct amount of sleep because if they're getting there at 12, they're not going to bed. I'll tell you right. that much. They're probably not going yeah. to bed till two. Sure. Yeah. So now if they wake up at 10, 11 o'clock, eat, they can come train at that point and we're on no one's schedule. We're on our own schedule there at the hotel. So they just pop out of their hotel room right to the trailer and we go. So it allowed for a lot of flexibility um, within it. And it was an amazing setup that we had, but that doesn't work if you don't have guys that put in the work and our guys bought in and they put in the work. And it showed with a lot of guys, a lot of guys made a lot of progress strength wise, which led to baseball performance. So um, it's an investment that the Cubs made that has second order consequences, positive or negative and positive in this case. So, but it's about the guys and about the buy-in. So, but having said that we had a better setup than everyone else, which is awesome.
0: Was it hard to get that buy-in? I know, you know, for a lot of these guys, some of them coming out of college or maybe from good high school programs have already had some strength training and stuff. But not everybody comes into baseball with that. Sometimes they're coming in on raw skill and athleticism. And was it hard to get guys focused and kind of establish that consistency of getting that work in on a daily basis?
1: Um, Not for all. I'd say some, some more than others. Other guys have it on point. The older guys, like you said, who came from a strength and conditioning background had a better – understanding of the importance of it and the other guys you create that buy-in it starts in february march during spring training and so it starts there can they see the benefits of it do they see themselves getting stronger do they see themselves feeling better like a lot of the times the guys the stuff that we would do especially mid to later in the season they'd feel better and okay sometimes like it would happen where they would play better that day when they lifted now you create that more or more of a buy-in. I told them, like, it's never, I'm never going to crush you. We're never going to crush you where your performance will, will detriment be a detriment to your performance. So that was huge for them. They're like, Oh, I'm not going to be so sore that I can't play and I'm not going to play well. And then I'm going to get benched. Like, that's not the goal. The goal is, Hey, we want you to become the best baseball player that you can. And we're going to use the tools that we have to do that and keep you healthy. So, the buy-in came from a lot of that. So it's a lot of the actions that were done, not just words by the guys. So
0: I imagine it'll be a little bit easier for you rolling into season two, because now you've got a year behind you. You've got, you'll have some of the guys back and you'll be able to show that, Hey, some of these guys have also moved on. They've moved up in the system.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think, I think it it, it helps too, when you have some of these older guys that are putting in the work right away, bringing Mm -hmm. some of the younger guys along. So, That's a huge help, too, because when it's player-led, it's always better.
0: Oh, yeah. So what you've talked a lot about the measurables. and and So walk me through some of the other things that you guys have. Like, what do you guys track? Obviously, I'm sure with strength you're tracking what they're lifting and maxes, but I know you you mentioned the GPS data. Like, how do you guys use that? How does that factor in the strength and conditioning?
1: Yeah, I'll say whatever about that because I think we all agree on is that, like, who cares about – like the ingredients, like the recipe is what matters and that's buy-in and guys doing it correctly. So like what we do, what we use, so we have GPS. So what we track with the GPS, we'll look at distance covered, um, mm-hmm. but that's submaximal too. So like you have to look at that with a grain of salt, you have to put all of it into place. So all these metrics that I'll talk about, you have to look at all of them. Sure. So you have total distance, you have a player load, which is a metric, it's intensity of the cuts because it's an accelerometer So it's an intensity of the cuts in all directions. And then it it spits out through a formula, a load. And it's the same. It's the same formula. So
0: So that could be like a center fielder breaking on a line drive or a shortstop. moving Exactly.
1: Like an acceleration, deceleration, the cut in that. Exactly. So it takes that into account instead of, hey, he didn't hit a top speed, but it was intense on his body. And it's the same every time because like, As long as you're using the same system, so catapults what we use, but if like you're using a stat sports, like then you can't measure those two. But if you're using the same one, which we do, then we're good. Um, Then we'll have max velocity. So we'll get a max velocity on the guy. So we know what his capabilities are of running, his top speed. We want to touch those exposures two times a week minimum. So if a guy's not playing much, we'll do extra sprints with those guys. To make sure we're getting those exposures one to make sure we're maintaining velocities but two as an injury prevention like if we're not touching those velocities and then hey we have a spike in those velocities way higher way greater chance of getting injured in that sense so we're looking at that as an injury prevention tool as well so those are the big ones that we're kind of looking at and then we put all those like we look at all those we have sports scientists that look at them and we take that into account. So we'll measure it that way. In the weight room, yes, we'll measure maxes. We'll never one rep max, guys, that's not what we do. So what we do is it's called velocity based training and we'll have a unit either on a barbell or whatever we put the unit on and we'll see how fast they're moving that bar. And based on the speed is the percentage that it should be at. So a guy might be squatting 225 pounds one day at 0.8 meters per second. And then the next week we're doing that same 225 and he doesn't feel great. He's a little drained. He's doing it at, he's moving it at 0.7. Well, that tells us a little bit about his readiness to a degree Okay. and the intent of it. So we can load based on the parameters that we're looking for. So if we're looking to hit that 0.8 and he's at 0.7, we'll take some weight off because we want to be in that range. So it's oh, called okay. auto-regulation is what it is using velocity on the bars. So we'll use so that. that
0: matters as much as the weight.
1: Exactly. And what also it does, it creates intent. Guys are competitive. They see that number. It's immediate. We have an iPad. They see how fast they're moving it. It creates intent, which is more important than anything else. Like intent, intensity, that's what we are looking for. When it comes to in-season training, realistically all training, but definitely in-season training. So we'll use those as well. Um, We have timing gates, which we'll use um, to measure speed. We don't use as much in the in-season. We'll have some more this year, but um, we'll test that in off-season. So we'll look at 10-yard sprints, 20-yard sprints, flies, which is where a build-up into a 10 or whatever you might want to call it. So we'll look at those as well to see, like, that just creates intent. It creates competition, competitiveness. It gets the best out of guys and making sure we're getting those exposures. So as long as they're with us, we'll have those GPS units. And then we'll have force plates. So on the force plates, we'll do jumps, a squat jump, which is starting strength, counter movement jump, which is elastic strength. And then we'll look at guys there. We can use it as a metric of, hey, is this training working? Are they overtrained, off-season type thing? Or in-season, hey, readiness. How's the guy's central nervous system working that day? So in layman's terms, is this guy ready to play or not? So we can mm-hmm. look at that. We'll, met, we'll jump them a couple times a week to make sure – or for guys like, hey, this guy looks like he's hanging. Hey, let's get into force plates. Let's look at what we're jumping on that. So we have and we have different ways of measuring force, not just force plates. We have other ways that the athletic trainers use where and we talk with them every day, obviously. So um, we're on the same page along those lines. So those are a lot of the sports science tools that we're using. And now what do we have to do with that? That creates conversations with the guys. So it might create a conversation that we thought we'd never have with the guy. Hey, are you, are you doing all right? What's going on? Oh, my body feels all right. All right. How'd you sleep? Ah, slept. Okay. All right. What's going on in your life? All right. Oh, there's something going on. Your girlfriend broke up with you. Like it creates that conversation because that matters. All of it comes into play. So all of it is tools that we use. And the good news about a lot of those tools is it's, um, subjective versus objective right
0: right like
1: if we have specific numbers we can measure it hopefully reliably <laughs>
0: <laughs> so does that go into developing e- does each guy have their own plan yes or is it more position based plan
1: no each guy has their own plan like there's no cookie cutter approach we might have a cookie cutter um template and I'm then we individualize you. off that
0: okay
1: like some guys like Chronic back issues. Yeah, we're not gonna back squat you. Probably not gonna front squat you either. We're gonna belt squat you, which is where we're loaded with a belt on a machine it's called a pit shark that we have. Other there's other ones that are made. So we're now we're not loading the spine. So like each guy has their own plan, or right? it might be more unilateral single leg versus double leg movements. Um it depends on the guy, like you'd said, like what do they lack? What do they not lack? Like we can talk about pitchers, like how many pitchers out there that are some of the best pitchers in the MLB or any of the minor leagues, they don't look like they can throw 100 miles per hour, a lot of these guys, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's yep. what, is, what goes into it. All right, sequencing goes into it. Range of motion, strength in that range of motion, being able to um, keep posture, pelvic rotation, being able to dissociate your pelvis from the upper half, lower from the upper half. Like, there's so much that goes into it. It's not just strength. So you might right. get a guy stronger, so you think, but he gets worse. <laughs> so there's <laughs> you that's why we use the measurables. That's why like when we're playing baseball, like, all right is this working or not? Is it not working because hey, we just need to keep pounding away, break the rock, and eventually like this guy's going to get better, or are we doing something completely wrong with this guy?
0: Okay,
1: and there's no so was, yeah, you got it, you're good. what's up? No
0: sorry I was just say so when you look at a pitcher and it's a, I'll use Drew Gray. I know he's coming off injury, and he's worked with you. If they want to add velocity to him, you're going to take into account what his whole motion looks like, how he whether he's like a leg drive guy, whether he's a hip rotation guy, arm whip guy, and build based off that.
1: Yeah, that's where the collaboration comes in with the pitching department. So with the pitching coaches, if you're at your affiliate, or now like in Arizona, we have everyone there. So like if everyone's there and like we're collaborating with them, what – What do they see? What do we see? Do we see the same things? Do we see different things? What do we need to do to get them better? So it's a huge collaboration within it. And then uh, we make a plan of attack for the guy and then we go after it and then we hopefully it helps with that guy. Cause there's no cookie cutter approach to it as in there's no perfect mechanics. Everyone's different. Everyone's bodies are different. Everyone's pelvic sits, pelvis different. Like everything is different with a guy so sometimes, like, I'll use this. I use this with a million things. Like, if Hussein Bolt doesn't have perfect mechanics, but he's the fastest person to ever run on this earth, like, sometimes you don't fix what isn't broken. Right. There's no perfection to it. If it's, if there's a model that you see that's perfect on a computer, research scientists, like, okay, but that's not how this guy moves. So let's right. get him to move correctly so he doesn't get hurt, but let's not take away what makes him great.
0: Okay. makes sense. So the, with the collaboration, is it the same way during the season, you and the hitting coach, and the pitching coach are all kind of joined at the hip, looking at the data and working with guys.
1: Yeah, I think in Myrtle, we were very fortunate. So Clayton Mortensen was the pitching coach. We had a great relationship, total buy-in on both ends of it. We talked about every guy like, Hey, what does this guy need? Um, Every day. It was awesome. Like he was awesome. And then, the hitting coach happened to be my good friend, sure. yeah, Steven Palkoff. Yep. So um, <laughs> that was easy. So that was easy. Like that's a lot of our rides in the trailer, our three to six hour rides, were talking about guys. <laughs> like we weren't yeah. just like talking about life there. Some of it was, but like a lot of it is like, hey, how can we get this guy better? What did we see this series? Especially after like the first hour, two hours of the conversations, like debrief, the, the whole series, what went on? What do we need to do better?
0: Okay. Cool. You've talked a little bit about injury injury prevention. So I know I'll, I'll use a major league example. I know Nico Horner with the Cubs had a couple years of not the same injury, but like repeated leg injuries and he came out of spring training last year talking about his increased strength work in the off season really I think he was focused on better withstanding that grind of the whole 162. How do you build injury prevention in you've mentioned some of the monitoring and, and stuff, but how do you build that into your program?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the monitoring comes into play. And then the off season is where we have to put that work in. We have to hit all facets of like what that guy needs. Um, what are his deficits? What are his strengths? All right. We can never forget about his strengths because his strengths make him who he is. All right. Mm-hmm. But where are those weaknesses, those breaking points? Like if you look at the body as a stacked approach, which we do is, all right, the ankle needs to be mobile. Right, the knee needs to be stable, the hip needs to be mobile, and so on and so forth, all the way up the body. It goes a stacked approach. So, if the ankle isn't mobile, the knee is going to take a lot more force upon it. Okay. Now, the knee is going to try and find mobility. The knee is not supposed to be mobile; it's supposed to be stable. Same thing with the hip. It goes up and down. So, like, where do we? Where are their deficiencies? And that's where those testing, the assessments that we run, the athletic trainers run. And that's where that collaboration comes into play to make sure, Hey, we're on the same page with this guy. We need to attack this to prevent these injuries. It will help get them stronger as well. Being able to hold postures, everything, being able to make sure those hips like baseball is a rotational sport. We don't want a stiff athlete, stiff spine, like where they cannot move their pelvis. If they can't do that, they're going to get injured because they're going to look for mobility where there should be stability. So that's where a lot of this comes into play. And can you prevent every injury? No, you can reduce the risk of a lot of injuries though. Yeah. And that's where, like, those like you talk about second-order consequences, like thinking upstream. Like, are we reactionary or are we respond? Responding. Do we respond or do we react? Responding is: hey, we're thinking forthright about all this stuff. What could go wrong? Uh, a pre-mortem, more or less than a post-mortem. So, like, we want to know what can go wrong, what will go wrong, and how we're going to attack it before anything happens. All right, most people in sport and in life, I should say, are reactionary. All right, this broke, how do we fix it? Yes. Well, usually what broke isn't because of that specific area. It's because of somewhere else.
0: Okay.
1: So, that's how, like, we're trying to think, like, we can't prove a lot of the time that we're preventing the injury because the injury doesn't happen. Sure. Awesome. That's what we want. It's hard for people to see that though. It's hard for the athletes yeah. to see that to put, why am I putting all this extra work in when I can't see the benefits? But if we don't put this extra work in now, you might be injured. Now you might have zero benefits of anything. So like right. it's hard to explain though, cause you can't see it and it's hard to measure. And that's what we're trying to do with all of the testing and the readiness and assessments is, hey, we're trying to measure it so now we can show, hey, this is what we're trying to do.
0: Okay, cool. So how did the, the season, so the season ends and what's your process at the end of the season? I assume you you get with each guy before they go away for the season and guys are going everywhere in the world, basically.
1: Yep, we get with each guy. um, And then, hey, where are you going to be? What's your plan? Um, Are you going to instructs? Are you not going to instructs? Um, if you're not going to go to instructs, all right, we're going to take a couple weeks off, like go enjoy life. You just went through a grinding season, go enjoy life for at least a week. Like if you don't enjoy for a week, like you got (laughs) issues, you got to step away, enjoy whatever you're going to do, whether it's family, whether it's a vacation, you got, you got to take at least a week off, preferably a week off. And then a week of like ramp up, um, light impact stuff, dumbbell only unilateral work, like. All right, we need some time off. All right. Now after that, all right. Are you going to be in our development camp, which is a lot of guys who come in, they're invited to the camp, everything's taken care of for them and they're training with us all off season. Mm-hmm. All right. If not, now we need to come up with their plan at home. What equipment do you have? Are you working with a trainer there? Are you going to be using all of our, like we suggest you use all of our programs, but if you're not let's talk with your trainer and like, let's talk about what the needs are of you as an athlete. Okay. So some people have more equipment. Some people have trainers. Some people have nothing like trainer wise, they have equipment. It's not COVID anymore. So like they'll have things that they can train with. So now that comes into play All right, We got to make videos for these guys. If they don't know what they're doing, some of these movements and a lot goes into it. So like, yeah. So right after the season, like if I'll go to instruct. So I went from Myrtle to Arizona, We did instructs a week, a week and a half off, and then we go into our development camp. And now each week, every coach, strength coach, is responsible for a certain amount of guys. So we divided it based on who we had. So, all right, if they're in a development camp, cool. We don't have to check in with them because they're with us. If they're not, hey, we're going to check in with them every week. Hey, how's everything going? Training going well? Um any injuries like how are you feeling do you feel like this is working for you along those lines so this is where that template and then individualization comes into play and we use okay. um a database platform app bridge athletic is what it is right now and we send the workouts on there so they're directly sent to them they can access it on their phone
0: okay and i guess this is where some of the buy in really matters cuz it's it's one thing during the season when you you see them in the clubhouse every day yep um but now they have to go do it on their own. And I guess they will or they won't, and they'll advance in the system where they want.
1: Exactly. So, like, you, that's where you talk about it with them. Okay, like, hey, like, I can't force you to do any of this. You're on your own right now. But if you come in not ready to go, do you think you're going to get the outcomes that you want? Yeah. Like, they, that's it. Like, you have to take ownership. This is This is professional. You have to take ownership. And if you don't, someone's going to pass you up real quick. And then there's free agents, there's drafts. It's not just guys like right. that are in the system. You're going up against everyone else too. So there's a lot of competition. If you stop working and don't live that consistent life, you're going to get passed up. doesn't matter how talented you are. You're going to get passed up.
0: It's a good life lesson. So, Heading into this offseason, there are some rule changes in baseball. Um, One of them is making the bases larger. So in theory, that's going to make more stolen base attempts. Are you guys doing anything different to increase speed work, or is that just built into what you guys already do?
1: It's definitely built into what we do. Um, Obviously, so we'll work more into specifics as you get closer to spring training and then spring training. Like, that's what we'll work on, like. Hey, the bases are bigger because we had this in Myrtle because they tried all this. They did all, they do all this stuff in the minors with us yeah. where we have the pitch clock, the bases, everything. So, what's our plan of attack now? Because the bases are bigger, our angle might have to change. So, we have to okay. get specific with that. So, right now, it's, if you go from a general phase to more specific, like you work along that continuum. So, we're trying to work on what it look. like what we're trying to improve, let's say, whether it's acceleration. So starting strength from zero to hundred. Mm-hmm. Are we working on change of direction, being able to have agility change of direction, starting with programmed to more reactive, okay, which is for everybody, even pitchers, they have PFPs. They need to make plays in the field. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then um, max velocity days. So running at full speed trying to get them faster to make that reserve. So like you're, you don't hit top speed all the time, but if you're hitting 80% of your top speed, let's say on a play, well, if you run 22 miles per hour versus 20 miles per hour, that 80% is faster. So it's important.
0: Yes,
1: yes. So, and then you have curved running, right? Baseball is very non-linear. You're not linear except if you're going to first base really, or you're tagging, it's about it. Everything else is going to be non-linear. So we work on curved running. So for guys to be able to so we're rounding first, right? We're going for a double, we're going for a triple, whatever it might be. You have to be able to run that curve because it takes it takes a skill. It's a skill to be able to do that. So we do work you train on, it our, on the base
0: paths, or how, so, how do you train that?
1: So right now, like we won't do it on the base paths. We're not going to run bases now. What we'll do is we create a drill, a curve, a curve drill. We'll measure it all out, which mimics that of running a base okay. to a degree, and then we'll measure okay. it. So we can measure it with the timing gates that we have. We don't have to use stopwatches like old school. We can, but we'll have the timing gates and we'll see how are they running along those okay. lines. Cool. So, yeah, so it's, it all comes into play. Like the rules matter. You have to adapt to the mm-hmm. rule. And honestly, it's awesome when there are rule changes because now you can gain an advantage on your opponents. Because if you work yeah. better at it than them and if you understand it better than them, that's an advantage to be gained.
0: Okay. What about, so you mentioned the pitch clock. Um, Obviously you guys have had to deal with that in the minor leagues. Um, Do you think at the upper levels, and so it'll be new to major league baseball this year, although a lot of the guys coming up have already dealt with it. How much of a factor is that on fatigue on say like a starting pitcher, especially?
1: I think once you get used to it, you're good. You have to train for it a little bit more. Like obviously you have to work at a little bit faster of a pace. So you have to have that aerobic base, To a degree, that's where you build that's that lasts the longest. You build that in offseason, you hit it, you touch it in season two. But like you have to be able to recover though. So now high intense, because every pitch is intense. Can we recover from pitch to pitch just a little bit faster now? Okay. Um, what we saw though, for the most part, I'd say the pitchers had more of an advantage because the hits hitters are such the ritual, they love their rituals, they'll do whatever they need in the batter's box. Well getting, you better get in the batter's box. Otherwise you can get a called strike on you.
0: Yeah.
1: The only one that I did not like, like, I don't know how you affect how you do it is that I don't like you being able to get walked on it or strike out on the pitch yes. block. So I don't know what you have to do, whether you take a ball away or you take a strike or I don't know what you have to do along those lines, but the total outcome, I don't love that. I don't like being like okay. having that strike out or walk, but Follow the rules Did you the see much bit. of that? A couple, a little bit. So early on, it was so it was early and late. I'll explain why. So early, just because it was new for everybody. Sure. And then late because we had a lot of call ups towards the end of the year, so they oh. might not understand it as well okay. too.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I've I, they've had it in Charlotte. I, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, so I get yeah. the Charlotte Knights, AAA. Yep. And they've had it for a couple of years, and I've been to games. Not I, I'm not sure I can recall. I certainly can't recall a strikeout or a walk on it, but yeah, probably Split. random pitch pitcher too. I don't think it
1: happens nearly like as much, and it doesn't happen like we had a spell where like you forgot it even existed, the clock. Yeah, because I don't even everyone was, was like just that. on point with it; it was their new normal.
0: Yeah, and
1: it's it's good for baseball, especially at the lower levels. Let's be real; like some of these yes. games could last four and a half hours like now they're going to be three hours or less, which is it's good for baseball. Good for the fans. Good for the players too. being able to keep that mindset and like being able to stay engaged for yeah a two and a half that, hour game versus a four and a half.
0: That mental focus matters. Yeah, it you does play it a week sense. of those four hour games and it's, you're just toast. It's exactly.
1: Crazy.
0: So um, I guess to kind of wrap this up, um, I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for the top prospects, but like, who stood out to you? Who was really invested and really made a lot of progress at Myrtle this year?
1: So I think you look at the guys like that ended with us. They were there the whole year between um, James Triantos, Kevin Alcantara. Um, those guys were with us the whole year, which is it's it's hard to do to be in the same place. Sure. When you're doing yeah. well and maybe, hey, I'm not getting called up. Well, it's your first year. You're both very young. And it's your first year. So those guys made a ton of progress on the same schedule the whole year, being able to train the whole year. They got into good rhythms and they lasted the whole year, which was really good to see. Um, A pitcher that kind of – he started out in the bullpen, is like probably not one of our top bullpen guys, became a piggyback, which is just following one of the starters. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then became our best starter towards the end of the year, which is Tyler Santana. He kind of came, like, under the radar of guys, like, and he had a phenomenal year for us and got hurt towards the end of it. But, like, he was he was one of those guys that had that mindset that you talk about, everyday work, consistent work. That's why he was successful. That's so, like, those guys, thing. then you had all the guys called up. Like, you have Devers that pitches amazing for us. He has two outings with us, two innings, call it. One against Canapolis, yeah. one against uh, Delmarva, where he gives up five or six runs in both of those innings. And that's it. Everything else, yeah. like, dominant. Oh, he's
0: lights out. Yeah. He's
1: lights out. And he goes up to high A. Oh, he might struggle a little bit. He only throws 90-91. No, he pitches better. He was yeah. phenomenal all year. So, but what do we need to do with him in offseason? He's at our development camp. Let's get him stronger, right? Let's add some velocity to him to – make him a little bit better. Add that tool mm-hmm. to his toolbox. He doesn't need to throw 99, but let's, let's add some strength to him, which will help with his velocity. And there's sky's the limit for him. You get a guy like Porter Hodge puts in all the work all the time. Um, I didn't meet, I didn't know him two years ago when he was like 245 pounds and he mm-hmm. now he's like 220 and he's stronger, more mobile throwing harder than ever like you touched 98 this year once um yeah. his last outing his was one of his best averages which says something about him taking care of his body sleep nutrition everything to be able to be one of your highest average velocities for the whole year is your last mm-hmm. out
0: <laughs> Athleticism matters, right yeah
1: it does and like you get you get a pca who is like you have to hold him back Sometimes, like,
0: say like he's just off the charts, isn't he?
1: For energy and go, and- all go, 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 no matter what, all gas, no breaks, and the team feeds off that. Guys feed off that. He makes guys better all the time. He's great in all facets of it. Um, and like when we left, you, you, when he left Myrtle, you could feel that presence leaving. Like he's a leader. He is, and then he goes to South Bend and does it there too. So those guys, like. Really putting the work, and like, there's a bunch of other guys that got called up. Like our whole starting sure. staff, yeah, our like whole starting staff got up. called up. So like, that's it's it was impressive to see what those guys did. Like,
0: and that really had to help with the buy-in too. When you see a guy like Pete Carroll Armstrong just going every day, yeah, like you, you have no going excuse for having success. Right? Yeah, you have
1: no excuse. I don't feel good today. Well, Pete doesn't feel good, but Pete's going all out every day doing whatever it takes so like it's about that commitment right like are you are you are you committed or are you just involved right like you have breakfast with it you have bacon and eggs right the chicken was involved just it didn't there's no (laughs) sacrifice the pig was committed right the pig's dead (laughs) that's the bacon so yes are you the chicken or are you the pig so like a lot of the guys like some guys were committed some guys were involved and the guys that do well typically are the ones that are fully committed to a whole year. And I'm forgetting a bunch of guys. So they listen to this. Sorry, (laughs) but no, like a lot of guys did really well. Um, A lot of commitment from them. The whole team did
0: really well. So I think that, I mean, that has to speak to what the whole team was putting in.
1: No, it does. It does. It does completely, completely complete buy-in between the guys. Um, Especially a lot of them being their first year up there Mm -hmm. and then new guys coming up and then filling those gaps of the guys that have that we lost, which is a good yeah. thing. Like, when we have guys called up, that's amazing. Like, we want yes. that all the time. So, if we don't get – if we get a little bit – if we get worse as a team, that's okay because the Cubs got better, and that's the number yes. one thing. Did the Cubs get better? Are we building towards that next world championship? Because we're trying to build champions.
0: Yes. So, now in the offseason, I know that you've got the, the instructs in Arizona – I know the Cubs were talking about the the offseason prospect program, I think they're doing for the first time. Is that an opportunity then for you to get with all the strength coaches in the organization and really um kind of regroup and reconnect and reestablish, you know, any tweaks of the program that have to be made for next year?
1: No doubt. And I think like we had so we have a new director of everything. So Blaine Kinsley's our new director, he's from Arkansas, he's awesome. And he's built he's built an amazing team that we have now. Mm-hmm. um between everyone top top to bottom. It's an amazing team and we're collaborating. We talk all the time. We got a call later today. Um we're all on the same page of building these guys and developing these guys and getting what they need to be and constant communication development between our staff and for the players. So if we get we have to get better as coaches so they can get better as players. So um it's good to have and so yeah, we're, we're all collaborating right now to create the best programs we can for the guys to make sure when spring training comes, we're ready to hit the ground running. Cool.
0: Any, uh, any new technologies or any new things coming next season that you're looking forward to?
1: Oh, I I think it's just building upon what we have. Like there's always new things and there'll be continue to be new things, but it's never paralysis by analysis because like, Awesome. Technology is amazing, and we need to continue to do it because if we're not filling that bucket, we're behind. So how can we gain an advantage there? But people first. It's always people first. If we don't have the relationships built, you could be the smartest people in the world, have the best technology. But if you don't have those relationships built, whether that's coach to athlete, coach to coach, or athlete to athlete, you're not going to have a championship organization, a championship team. So that's where that culture comes into play. So while technology is super, super important, so is that culture and that buy-in and those relationships. And if we can find that middle ground of perfection, there's never perfection, but if we can find that middle ground, that's when you get something special. And that's what we're trying to build. And we'll find out if we're doing it.
0: Cool. Well, great, Mark. Thank you for the time today. This has been great. Um, Looking forward to seeing what the Cubs do in the offseason and see how the Pelicans look next year.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. I want to thank Mark again for giving us so much
0: time. And I want to thank you. I've only been doing this podcast for a few short months, but I'm eternally grateful for every listen. There's a lot to like out there. And I'm very thankful that you continue to give me a chance each week. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, however it is that you celebrate. If you liked what you heard today, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever it is you find your podcasts. If you've already done that, maybe you can share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds will help me get better and help others find the show. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CubsPS+. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!